0: It's Daily Thunder, thundering out the truth of Jesus Christ live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more about our discipleship programs or to support this podcast, visit ellerslie.com. Now, here's Nathan Johnson. Uh, If you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, we've been walking through this blessing section in in Ephesians chapter one, and looking at these incredible blessings that we have uh, as or or, as we get to partake of as as believers. Excuse me. Uh, We're kind of entering into the final section of the blessing section. Uh, If you remember, there's of the uh, the blessing section goes from verse three down to verse fourteen, and of that there are three mini sections. Uh, They're the blessings of the Father, which is verses 3 through 6. Blessings that we have in Jesus, the Son, verses 7 through 12. And the blessings we have in the Spirit, verses 13 and 14. So we're entering into this blessings we have in the Spirit. Uh, We're going to be looking at verse 13 today. Now, just as a reminder, um, every single blessing finds its fulfillment in one single place. And again, you'll never guess what that is. Thank you. But. In other words, we do have blessings in the Father, but you realize that every blessing that the Father has for us finds its fulfillment in Jesus. That the Son has blessings, but every blessing obviously is in Him. And the Spirit has blessings that we get to partake of in the Spirit, and yet every blessing in the Spirit finds its fulfillment in Jesus. And again, that's such a phenomenal thought that I don't don't need Jesus plus something. I need Jesus who becomes everything in my life. Which is why Peter, in 2 Peter 1.3 says all things that we need for life and godliness is found in Jesus, that he is all that we need. And again, Paul's not giving a uh, comprehensive list of blessings, but he is saying, hey, you are blessed. And that we, we get to experience the phenomenal reality of the blessings of God, but every blessing that we have, again, finds its fulfillment in Jesus, which tells you the moment you have Jesus, you have all the blessing. Isn't that an exciting thought? And it doesn't matter what the the nuance of the blessing is just get Jesus and your life will be blessed. Uh, hey, if you want to know what it means to grab a hold of blessing, then grab a hold of Jesus. So as we get into verse 13 and 14, again, we have to see it in light of the fact that every blessing finds its fulfillment in Jesus. And if you want more on that, you can go back to our study on verse three. Now, what I want to do is I just want to read verse 13 and 14 and just kind of set some context and then I just want to look at the first piece of it uh, this morning. Paul writes in Ephesians 1, verse 13, he says, In him, you also, after hearing the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and after believing in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. What an incredible passage. It's interesting that when you look at the passage in Greek, And we're not going to do that. But when you look at the passage in Greek, uh, there is one main verb in the passage, and it's the word sealed. In other words, the whole point of the passage is to get you to the point of the sealed. Does that make sense? In other words, the big deal that's happening in verse 13 and 14 is, "Woo! you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look at that next week. But the idea of the whole sealing, not sealing, but the sealing, uh, is the idea of, Marked for ownership. That you're literally marked, that there's something on your life that marks you as belonging to him. Which is kind of a neat idea. And that's the big agenda, or at least that's the big focus of the passage. Now, now don't get lost here. But in our passage, there's one main verb, which is seal, but there are two now, nerds, please stay seated. There are two participles woo, in the passage. Now for all those of us who uh, did not like sixth grade grammar, a, a participle typically functions as a almost as an adverb, it gives content to the main verb. So there's a main verb, it's that you instill with the Holy Spirit. But there are two little nuances of that reality, which are the words hear and believe. In fact, in our passage, and again, don't get lost here, but for the nerds who want more information, uh, it's an aorist active participle. Ho, 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 ho. All right, no one here is excited, but uh, what that means in the Greek is that these have taken place before the main verb. In other words, you're going to hear, oh, you believe, woo, you get sealing of the Holy Spirit. That makes sense. In other words, uh, what we're going to look at this morning is the things that happened prior to the Holy Spirit sealing your life. Now, they are happening all in conjunction. It's not like you hear, you believe, you wait three weeks, and you get this document in the mail that has a stamp on it that says, you have now been officially sealed by the Holy Spirit. Congratulations. (laughs) That's not in the passage, right? The, The idea in the passage is that you hear, and the moment that you believe, that there's this thing that takes place in your life, where the Holy Spirit moves upon your life, he comes and he takes over, and now you are marked by him. So they're happening at the same time. They're simultaneous in one aspect. However, there's something that precedes the sealing of the Holy Spirit on your life. Is that making sense? In other words, if you want the Holy Spirit to mark your life, by the way, we call that Christianity. <laughs> right? In other words, if, if the Holy Spirit is not governing your life, you, that's not Christian. Okay. Well, what does it take to have that? Well, you have to hear and believe. So what I want to do is I want to walk through those concepts really quickly with you. Now, this is going to sound like a review for a lot of us, but I I want us to freshly hear this reality. Because I think so oftentimes, as believers, we hear so much, and we miss the reality of it. In other words, do you recognize that we live in a time, a day and age, where we have access to so much content it's, it's unprecedented. Uh, for example, yesterday, I, I finished listening to a sermon series by this preacher in Kentucky that I've never me- uh, never, never met. I've, I've never met the man. I just heard about him, and I heard some great things. I was like, oh, okay, I'll listen to the sermon series. You realize that is unprecedented in human history. Uh, yesterday, I, I was listening to an audio book as I was doing some dishes. You realize that as as modern day believers we can absorb tons of content and we can listen to a lot of stuff we can hear it but i think the problem in our culture today is not just that we've are able to listen to it i think that's amazing <laughs> i appreciate the day and age that we live in indoor plumbing toasters right and technology so they're very important all in my life right i love i love the technology that i have access to all this great content but you realize it's so easy for me just to be listening to the content that it, ne- it never moves beyond entering my ears. That I hear it and I go, oh, yeah, that's good. That's, well, that's, that's. But it hasn't changed my life. And I think one of the problems in the church is that we're so accustomed to hearing things, we haven't allowed the truth to actually transform us. So if I could just freshly encourage all of us, as we're walking through this, it's going to sound like a review at one level, but I don't want it to be a review in our life. If that makes sense. Uh, so look at verse 13 again. Paul says, in him, speaking of Jesus, that in Christ, you also, after hearing the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and after believing in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. It's interesting, it talks about this idea of hearing, listening. And you know that as believers, it is important for us to go and share the truth. That, hey, how's the, word gonna, how's the world going to hear the truth? Where they're going to they're hear it. That they need a gospel tear to go forth and proclaim truth. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but Romans chapter 10, uh, Paul is articulating to the Romans. He says, uh, this is uh, Romans ten fourteen. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? For it is written, how beautiful are the feet, of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring good news of good things, but they have not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, the Lord, uh, sorry, Lord who has believed our report. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we recognize then that if the world is going to actually be transformed by truth, they need to hear the truth, which means that as believers, it is our joy and our privilege to be the ones who go out and actually articulate this phenomenal gospel. Not just with our lips, but with our lives. That that everything that's going on in our lives should be declaring to the world around us, hey, you need what I have. I love what Acts 2.37 says. Uh, It says that when they heard this, they were stung to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? So Pentecost just happened. All these people are gathering around and they said, are are these guys drunk? Like what's going on? Because they're speaking all these tongues. And Peter sends them and says, ah, we're not drunk. It's early in the morning. Let me tell you what's actually going on. And he preaches this phenomenal passage. And he's talking about the fact that, hey, you're the one who crucified the Messiah. And as he is articulating this phenomenal reality of truth, they are so pierced to the heart, they look at Peter at the end of the sermon and said, what do we do? Like, like how, how, what, what do we do with all this? Wouldn't it be amazing if that was... What happened in our life as we started living our lives out in our communities, as we started just preaching, people were just like, what do I do? How do I, how do I get on this? How do I repent? Interesting thought, isn't it? And of course, 3,000 are saved. <clears throat> but you notice in both those passages, there's this essential element of hearing. Now, it's interesting. in Our word here in the passage, it doesn't just mean to listen to something. It means to listen, but to comprehend and understand it. Uh, I can tell you what we're going to have for lunch. But that's not going to nourish you. So you can hear it and go, oh, I get it. Yeah, I, I understand. We're going to have this for lunch. But you realize that actually hasn't changed your life. That somehow you have to do something with the hearing. Which is what? Partake of it. If you want the nourishment. Okay, maybe a bad example. Um, your mom walks into the room. Clean your room! I heard her i really did right (laughs) but she comes back an hour later and she goes excuse me uh why are why is the room still not cleaned up did you not listen to me i'm like no i heard every single word in fact i can parse this thing out i can give you the grammatical structure of it and i can tell you exactly the tone and the manner of which you said it and she says you weren't listening Does that make sense Uh, Your wife comes up to you and says, are you listening to me? And you say, yes, this is exactly what you said. She says, you're not listening to me. No, no, I repeat it back exactly what you said. That that doesn't count. (laughs) Right? Because there's actually something more than just the hearing. That's this word. So you realize it's not just, I heard this truth. It's, I didn't just hear the truth. I somehow was able to comprehend and understand that truth that it somehow pressed itself upon me. Uh, It's interesting that Paul in Colossians chapter 1, in verse 4, 4 through 6, says this, For we heard of your faith, isn't that interesting? We heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you've already heard in the word of truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has all the world and brings forth fruit as it has also in you, since the day you heard it and knew the grace of God in truth. You realize he's saying more than just, oh, you heard this wonderful gospel. He says you've heard the gospel, but it's not just a hearing, a listening. It's somehow you've comprehended it, and you've actually started applying it into your life. It's actually become a part of your life so much that it starts to produce fruit. That's this idea. So here in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says that here you are in Christ, so after you've heard, he says, the word of truth. Now, obviously, he's talking specifically about this reality of scripture. But he gives clarity, and he says, it's not just hearing the word of truth. He says, after hearing the word of truth, which is the gospel of your salvation. Does that make any sense? In other words, he's not just saying, well, I, I turned on an audio Bible, and I was listening to it this morning. Oh, I got the word of truth. <coughs> yeah, but it's more than that. In other words, it is an understanding of, of Scripture, but it's specifically not just the Scriptures as a whole. It's the Scriptures in the sense of the salvific work of Christ called the Gospel. That I, what I heard and what I listened and what I comprehended was the Gospel. Uh, by the way, you, you do realize that this entire book is a declaration of that. right? We, we've talked about this so many times here, but every page of Scripture is pointing to one key reality, which is Jesus and his work upon the cross. That whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, the big declaration, what, God, what God's big agenda through the entirety of scripture is that it's him. Hey, would you get to know the author? That, that the author is longing to do something in your life, which is to change it. Why? Because we are marked by sin. And that the whole story that is weaving itself through all of scripture is God's salvific work upon humanity. It's interesting when you, when you look at Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul begins to talk about the fact that he's been proclaiming this gospel, this euangelion, which is a word in the Greek. And this gospel, this good news, he gives some definition to it. And I, I just want to read this to you, and you're going to hear a simplistic version, and Maybe that's, maybe that's a bad way of saying it, but, but you're hearing Paul's denunciation of, here's what I've been proclaiming. Everywhere I go, this is what I talk about. L- listen to what he says. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. He says, now, brothers, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which you've received and in which you stand. Through it you are saved if you keep in memory what I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received. Here it is. How Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture, was buried, rose again on the third day, according to the Scriptures. You realize, according to Paul, the essence of the gospel is Christ—the fact that He came, the fact that He died, and the fact that He rose again for our for our sin, I mean, for our salvation. That that what He is doing, as He says over and over and over again, and even we've looked at even in this blessing section, yeah. is the fact that God is bringing freedom and redemption. I love what William Law said. William Law said that, that the cross didn't merely purchase our forgiveness. That, what, that God, what God was doing through the cross wasn't merely forgiving you of your sins. You realize that is merely the beginning of the gospel. I think so, so oftentimes in the church the gospel has been truncated or simplified down to uh, will you accept Jesus in your heart? As if God wants to, you know, watch your blood pass by and, you know, just kind of just like chill out in this little place called your heart. You realize that's just the beginning. That the reality of what God is wanting to do, according to William Law, William Law again says that the cross didn't merely just purchase forgiveness. He goes on and says it was for the purpose of Pentecost. You realize that what God's big agenda is, is not just to get you saved. He's not just trying to get you to heaven. Now those are phenomenal, so I'm not trying to downplay that. But you realize the gospel is so much better than that. See, the gospel is not some hug upon my life where God merely forgives me of sin. Why? Because God has a greater agenda. What's the greater agenda? He wants to be my life. He wants to indwell my life, which is the whole Pentecost idea. The outside God wants to move on the inside. And he wants to inhabit my life through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And he's wanting to participate. We, we are to have this as I've talked about before, this Argentinian tango dance of love with him. That, and if you haven't heard that, I'm really sorry. <laughs> that, that probably sounds really awkward. <laughs> but, but you realize what he's wanting to do then is he's wanting to take your life and he's, see, this is not me living my life for him. Woo, isn't God lucky. This is, what would it look like for him to come and indwell my life and through his indwelling of the Holy Spirit, he's beginning to live his life in and through me. That what the world sees is not Nathan, they see Jesus. Now, I'm not Jesus. We understand that. But wouldn't it be neat if I got so tight with him that everything I said and everything I did, somehow he just oozes out of that? And what captures the world, what captivates the world, is him. It's not, woo, look at Nathan. It's, whoa, look at Jesus. And look at what he can do through Nathan. Because this is not about you, this is not about your intellect. This is not about your talent. This is not about your whatever. This is about him and what he is wanting to do and accomplish through you. And Paul says, do you realize what I'm preaching? I am preaching the fullness of Jesus. That he came, he died, he rose again. And the implication then is not just, well, he rose from the dead, praise the Lord. You realize that the gospel is that he came, he died, he rose again, he ascended, and then he sent forth his spirit. Why? Because yes, he wants to forgive you of your sins. And that is Phenomenal. So you should run aisles and wave white hankies. I mean, that is phenomenal. I mean, that's something to get excited about. But you realize the reason he has forgiveness of sin is so that he can clean out this life of ours so that he can indwell it. Because he cannot reside in an unholy dwelling. You realize that he's wanting to purify this place called you. That you are to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. And as such, he wants to come and indwell you. But he can't indwell you if you're full of sin. That must be dealt with so he forgives you which is the phenomenal work upon the cross so that he can send forth his spirit in you so that you can live unto him for this is all from him and through him and to him for his praise and his glory you want know your life is to be from him through him to him for his praise and his glory you realize that this phenomenal thing that we talk about as the gospel isn't just well i've been saved for my sins i get to go to heaven yeah, I'm just, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for this day. I'm just kind of punched my card and I'm just, you know, I got to, you know, get a, I, I received a get out of hell free card, you know, and I can have it in my back pocket. So whenever I die, I can whip it out and say, yep, I got, I got the card. You realize I don't need a card because I'm going to get to heaven. And God goes, why should I let you in? I'm like, cause we're tight. <laughs> hey, we're best friends. Hey, you 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 dwell my life. Hey, you've been living your life out of me. And he's like, ah, I know. I'll just check it, you know? That, I don't, that I, don't, I don't have to prove it with some card. Why? Because this is to be your life. He is to be your life. Isn't that an amazing reality? And Paul says, you've heard this. Not that you just, you've heard it like, oh, I, yeah, I listened to this preacher years ago. Yeah, I heard that. He says, somehow you've comprehended it, that somehow you've grabbed a hold of it. It's interesting, though, in the passage, the indication seems to be that hearing is insufficient. That hearing is actually not enough. Which does make sense. Uh, When I used to work and do ministry in Tennessee, I was working with a lot of homeless guys. It's so fascinating. Have you ever worked with homeless people? (laughs) I remember being in Fort Collins here not long ago, and and I was talking to this homeless guy. And he's like, I'm a Christian. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And I said, well, what? why are you a Christian? What makes you a Christian? He's like, well, yeah, when I was, when I was five, I went to a church service, and I said some prayer, and I, I, you know, I got the stamp. And I go, oh, so how's your life been since then? And he's like, well, that doesn't matter, because I did the thing when I was five. I said, <laughs> buddy. He goes, well, yeah, but I, I heard truth, and I said, yes, I, I you know, I, I did the checkoff thing, and I became a Christian. You know, the pastor said, everyone, you know, bow your heads. You know, anybody want to receive Jesus? I raised my hand. I'm a Christian. I'm like, buddy, that doesn't make you a Christian. And of course, I've joked about this before, but you recognize that just knowing something is, or hearing something doesn't make you a Christian because Christianity is not a true and false test. And, and we've walked through this before, but c- could you imagine you walk up to this guy and you say, hey, do you believe that Jesus came to earth? Well, Yeah, true. Oh, do you believe he died upon a cross? Okay, true. Do you believe he rose again? True. Woo, you're a Christian! You realize that that doesn't work. Because could you imagine going up to Satan? Satan, did Jesus come to earth? True. Did he die upon a cross? True. Did he rise again? True. Woo! Congratulations! You're a Christian! Now you know that's not how that works. So why do we think it works for us? See, actually, it's interesting. Hearing is insufficient. Now you need to hear because how are you gonna believe if you don't hear? So you have to hear it. And as and as Christians, we need to be propagating, we, we need to be pushing, we need to be declaring this phenomenal truth. There's a reason it's called good news. Because it's good news. And if it's good news, why are we so afraid of sharing it? I'm not afraid of sharing a good movie. In fact, I'm usually excited to talk about a good movie. Hey, when I watch a really good Little House on the Prairie episode, I, I'm willing to talk about it. Why? Because you need to watch it. Why? Because it's good. But why is the best news in the entire universe, why, why is it that I'm so afraid of sharing that? Well, because it's offensive to the world. I get that. And what I think is good news, the world sees as not good news. I, get, I do get that. And there's intimidation. I I get that. But you realize if it truly was good news in our personal life, we just couldn't help ourselves. And something I've been pondering this last week is just, what, what if evangelism wasn't actually that hard? What if the difficulty is we actually haven't seen it for ourselves? Or we haven't experienced it for ourselves? Because the moment I see and experience it for myself, I just couldn't help myself. And so maybe the fear issue is not actually fear. The problem is not actually in the sharing. The problem is the fact of me experiencing it in totality. So in the passage, Paul is saying you need to hear it because without hearing, you'll never hear something to believe. But hearing, if all you ever do is hear it, that's actually insufficient. You can comprehend it, that's still insufficient. Hey, you can know all the doctoral nuance and that's still insufficient. And I've talked about the fact that when I went to seminary, it was so sad to me that here's all these people who knew all the big theological terms and they could debate you up and down, but their lives were dead. And they knew a lot about the gospel and they knew a lot about scripture and they had a Greek and grammar and all that kind of stuff but their lives were dead. Because comprehension actually is still insufficient. Now you need it, but it's insufficient. The comprehension, the hearing, is supposed to bring you somewhere. Where is that bringing you? Oh, it's in the passage. He says, in him, you also, after hearing the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you believed in him. You realize that an essential element To being a christian is that you must believe which is why we call you believers why because you're believing so we're called christians oh i'm a christian i'm a believer and isn't it funny how believers today don't believe we we might understand it we may debate it we may argue it but we actually don't believe it. Because if we believed it, it would change how we lived. Now, believing in the passage is not mental assent. It's not, oh, yes, I understand that. Because we already said, understanding is not sufficient. So believing in the passage, you got to understand this, believing is not understanding it mentally. As if you mentally believe it. Uh, The word, by the way, for believe it's in the Greek, it's the word faith as a verb. So when you, so faith is a noun. So when you do the work of believing, we call that faith. When you have faith and you're doing the work of faith, you're faithing, which is not a word, right? But when you're faithing and you're doing some action, that's faith-filled, what do we call that? Believe. But in the Greek, it's actually easier to see because it's the exact same word. Right? It's, it, I mean, it looks exactly the same. But for us in English, faith and believe is two totally different words. But you realize it's the exact same idea. That when I do the action of believing, woo, we call that faith. If you say, I have faith, what does that mean? That you're doing the action of believing. That make sense? Uh, my favorite illustration of this, and uh, by the way, if you want to have this great treatise on this idea of believe, study the book of John. A hundred times in the book of John, that's more than the rest of the New Testament combined. John uses the word believe. Believe, 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 believe. And again, believe in the, in the gospel of John and how Paul uses it here is, again, it's not mental ascent, it's an action. So my favorite illustration of this is imagine I get, get you up on an airplane and uh, I'm saying, oh, it's a beautiful view. So we open up the side of the of the plane and we're looking down and we're like, isn't that beautiful? Go look. And as, you, as you're looking, I come behind you and go, right? And you're like, And as you're going, oh, you probably need a parachute. So I go and I grab this parachute and I throw it towards you. Now, I yell at the plane, do you believe in the parachute? And you look up and you go, yeah, I do. It's right there. That's going to kill you. (laughs) That's actually insufficient. That is a mental understanding of the parachute, but you haven't done any work with the parachute. That's not believing. You can believe in the parachute, but that's not going to save you. Hey, you can hear all the gospel truth you want and you can put mental assent into it, but that's not going to save you. Which is why in Matthew, there's these people who show up before the throne room and they say, well, hey, haven't we done all this stuff? And haven't we preached in your name? And God says, I don't, I don't know you. Why? Because you you had something, but it wasn't... The real thing you can have the mental ascent but unless you apply it and actually put it on it doesn't help you so i yell at the i yell at the airplane hey do you believe in a parachute if all you say is yeah i, I believe it, it's right there then you're still going to crash and burn so what do you have to do somehow you have to make your way over to the parachute right and you, you finally get over to the parachute you grab the parachute as you're falling you put the parachute on you tie the little thing and you pull the cord and what happens? Oh, you actually find that you put on something and that what you put on is now your means of salvation. Which is why you were called to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You're to take off the former way of living and you're to put on something. What is it? Jesus. And you realize that when you put him on, it's not just, well, do you believe in Jesus? Everyone in the United States believes in Jesus. I mean, just walk around. Hey, do you believe in Jesus? I believe in Jesus. I'm a Christian. But that doesn't doesn't mean anything to me. Because that doesn't mean you actually put him on. You realize that if you are falling out of the sky, and you had a parachute, I don't know about you, but if I'm falling out of an airplane, and I have a parachute, do you know how tightly I'm going to be holding on to my parachute? Tightly. Like, even if it's strapped on, I don't, don't, I'm not going to trust those straps. I'm going to... Why? Because I have one means of salvation. It's called a parachute. And my one means of salvation is my only hope. Do you know that's supposed to be Jesus in your life? That you have one means of salvation. That you're to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. How tight should you be holding on to Jesus for dear life? Actually, the idea is to abide. Which means to sink down into, to clutch, to hold tightly to, And my favorite definition of abiding from John 15 is refusing to depart. Do you know what it means to abide? Do you know what it means to be a a vine, a branch on a vine? It means to refuse to depart from the life of the vine. That what am I going to do with Jesus? I'm going to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm going to refuse to let go because I'm going to hold tightly to him because he is my sole means of salvation. So here's Paul and he says, that in Christ you've heard this word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you need that because without hearing you cannot believe, because you have to you have to believe in what you've heard. So I got to hear, but just hearing is actually insufficient, because I now must step forward and actually believe in that, and it's an action. Uh, last night I came across a story again of the uh, in, in 1860. Uh, this guy, I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's like Blondine, Blondine, Blonde something. Probably was Blonde. But this guy, uh, he went over to Ni- Niagara Falls, and there was this, he was this tightrope, uh, really famous tightrope walker. And he strung, let's see, a 1,000-foot cable 160 feet above the roaring waves of Niagara Falls. Now, if you've ever been to Niagara Falls, it is quite impressive. But he literally stretched it from one side to the other, So there's this whole group on the canadian side watching there's a whole group on the united states side watching and here's this tightrope walker this really famous guy who walked the thousand feet across niagara falls and then he walked back and then he walked over and he walked back and obviously after several times of this they realized okay he can do this and everyone's cheering woo! and as the story goes he looks at the crowd and goes do you think I can walk over it again? And everyone goes, yes! He goes, do you think I can walk over there with a man on my back? And they all go, yes! And then he says, who wants to be the first one to do it? <laughs> and it got deadly quiet. You realize you can believe that he can carry a man across on his back. I believe that. You have seen him do it. Then have walk back and forth. I, 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 I trust the fact that he could carry a, a guy. I'd love to see it. <laughs> I mentally know that he can do it. <laughs> but that's not the word. The word in the passage is, will you climb up on his back and actually believe that he will do it? See, it's not faith when faith doesn't actually... Maybe, maybe I'll say it this way. If our faith demands nothing from us, it's not faith. Because faith, to be faith, means you have to do an action of believing. And it's going to require everything. You realize to put on a parachute is going to require everything. If you're going to be holding tight to this man's back, it's going to require faith. Tremendous trust. Trust and stability. <laughs> don't, be, don't be wavering. Don't be wishy-washy on that. Do you realize what you should have in your life is that that you shouldn't just hear the gospel of truth. You're to put on the gospel of truth. It's not, oh, I esteem the word of God. It's the word of God is changing my life. This is not, well, I know, all the, I know all the answers. I know the academic right and wrongs, and I, I, can, I can debate you up and down. Hey, you can have all the right answers, and you can do all the right things, and you're, you're still going to die and go to hell. Because you realize this is not about right and wrong. This is not about saying the right things. This is about a transformation of the insides of who you are. That you're doing this work called Faith. And again, I think it's slightly convicting that we hear so much as a culture and we believe so little. Well, how am I going to be the marked? How am I going to have this ownership of the Holy Spirit in my life? How is he going to indwell my life? Well, Paul says it requires hearing or requires believing. Because I can't believe without hearing, but if all I do is hear, it's actually insufficient. Now, one other quick thought here, and I, I may be reading too much into this, but uh, I was looking at this again last night, and it's interesting to me that, and don't get bogged down by this, but it's interesting in the Greek, <coughs> the definite article show, <coughs> excuse me, choking me up. <coughs> so powerful. <coughs> excuse me. <laughs> it's interesting that the definite article <coughs> keeps showing up in this passage. You, you know what a definite article is? It's the word like the so if I said I had a piece of cake, right? it just means kind of a generic thing. But if I said I had the piece of cake, it's very specific, very definite. right? It's interesting in a passage, the word the shows up uh, at least five times. Now we don't translate all of them in the English, but it's interesting that Paul puts this definite article, I'll just give them to you really quick. It says, in him also after hearing the, word of truth. Make sense? It's not just hearing thing. It's a definite thing. You're hearing the word. Then there's another one for the word truth in the Greek. So it's the word of the truth. So it's not just, well, it's just truth. It's the truth. Which is really fascinating that Paul's being very definite here. And then he says, the gospel of the salvation. Isn't that interesting? And then you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. So again, I may be reading too much into this, but it seems like Paul has given you no wiggle room as to what you're to hear and what you're to believe. He's not just saying, well, believe in this postmodern smorgasbord of whatever truth. That For whatever reason, which is impossible today, but we have people who are like, well, yes, I am a Buddhist, Catholic, evangelical Hindu. And you're like, I don't don't know if you understand, but you can't. Because they're all at odds with one another. (laughs) So we're not just saying believe as, oh, I will believe. You realize Paul is giving you no wiggle room. He's saying, do you know what what you're hearing? Do you know what you're putting your faith in? It is the word of the truth, which is the gospel of the salvation. If you're wanting the Holy Spirit. I just find that fascinating. Do you have that? And I, and I know that most of us know the right answers and most of us have heard all this stuff. What I'm concerned about is that we haven't, we haven't believed. You know what, when scripture says, don't fear! And we turn around and we start fearing, we've heard it. We didn't believe it you are beloved in Christ you are an heir we hear it but then we live as slaves see isn't it interesting how how much we hear and how little we believe do you know what our world needs today is not more hearers our world today needs more believers do you know what turned the early church upside down in 70 years a whole bunch of people who believed a bunch of people who took God at his word and said, God, if, if you said this, I'm going to believe that's true. Hey, your word says I can, I can walk in freedom and victory. Hey, your word says I can walk in holiness. Your word says I can walk in purity. Hey, your word says I don't have to walk in fear. Hey, your word says, what if we quit hearing those things? I mean, we have to hear it. Because without hearing, how are you going to believe it? But what if it moves beyond hearing because hearing is insufficient? And what if we actually begin to believe it? What if we actually allowed it to be a part of our life? What if we actually allowed the Spirit of God to start to demonstrate His life, His word of truth in and through us? Do you know what we'd have to call those kind of people? I think we'd have to call them Christians. Wouldn't we? Let's pray. Lord, Oh Lord, I repent of the times where I hear but I don't believe. And Lord, I live in a time in a day and age where I hear so much and yet I wonder if it actually is making a difference in my life. Lord, it seems like the, the people in some of these the underground church in China or these places where persecution is really heavy and they don't even have the fullness of the word of God that they have a single page. But it seems like at times they believe far better than we do in the West. They may not have heard everything, but oh, what they've heard they believe, and it's changing the world. Well, what would it look like if this generation didn't just hear, didn't just esteem truth, they weren't just l- looking for more pithy uh, academic nuggets statements to debate up and down or what if we in this generation were people who were known as believers because that which we've heard we've actually applied into our life we've allowed the fullness of the holy spirit to come and to do your work in and through us i think we'd be christians lord i don't want the world to see us lord i don't want the world to hear our voice We need to hear your voice. We need to see you. So Lord, I just want to freshly surrender and just say, have at it. Lord, any area in my life where I've been hearing but not believing, hey, will you change and transform that area? Lord, would you convict anything in my life where I've been hearing but not believing? Lord, I want to be marked by you. And yes, I do need a hear. I understand that, Jesus. But I don't want to just be a hearer only. I want to be a doer of the word. I want to be a believer of the word. Make us believers, Jesus. Put an aggression, a passion, a fervor in our spirit that we will settle for nothing less than the fullness of the truth of the reality. And Lord, I want the word of the truth of the gospel of the salvation and the Holy Spirit in my life. I don't want a counterfeit. I don't want a dumbed down, washed down version. I want the real thing, Jesus. Lord, I want to give myself unto that end. Lord, we love you. Thank you that your word has been declared, your gospel has been given, and you are willing to give your Holy Spirit, not not just for a moment, but for life. We love you. Let's give you the praise and the glory in your precious, powerful name. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is delivered live and streamed daily weekdays at 8.15 a.m. and weekends at 9.15 a.m. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. We invite you to visit us at the beautiful Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado for a day, a week, or an entire season of gospel-centered spiritual training. Learn more at ellerslie.com. Thanks for listening.